welcome back to the Renaissance Space podcast, where we talk to all sorts of people. And I'm absolutely delighted that this afternoon, one of those sorts is Dr. Sarah McGowan from University of Edinburgh. And I was going to introduce you, Sarah, and I decided, actually, I'm sure you do a much better job of it than me. So what do you do and who are you? Okay, thank you, Margaret. Oh, well, it's lovely to be back again. Um, so, yeah, my name is Sarah McGowan. I'm a senior lecturer at the University of Edinburgh and I direct the University of Edinburgh's Literacy Lab. So we're a group of researchers and um, PhD researchers and postdocs as well who have an interest in understanding children and young people's reading experiences. So the types of experiences that they have when they're reading books, but also the um, impact of these experiences, I suppose, um, on their outcomes um, too. Um, and in all the research that we do, we tend to work quite closely with children or young people or teachers as well, just to make sure that the research that we carry out seems relevant and meaningful to them as well. And, and um, I think we all just really enjoy working in this way too. And I know we, we did a podcast, oh, must be a couple of years ago, was it even three? I don't know, time seems to fly by, um, all about reading enjoyment and finding motivators to get children reading and getting them enthusiastic and wanting them to turn some pages, really. Yeah, I mean, that's probably what I'm most interested in of all the projects that we have going at the moment. Um, it really is just about trying to find ways to encourage children to actually want to read more. That sort of intrinsic motivation to read is that sort of internal desire to want to read. So I'm really interested in the concept of motivation. Um, but I'd say within the last year, I've probably become more interested in the concept of engagement. So it's like that actual experience when you are reading, um, because there's a lot of research that shows that different forms of engagement um, lead to different types of experiences um, and outcomes too. So I look at both motivation and, and engagement now. Fantastic. And actually, it was uh, our recent What Kids Are Reading event that we may met again completely um, spontaneously. And I think you'd had quite a bookish day really one way and another haven't you <laughs> yeah it was it was really fortunate actually so I'd been down in London anyway um talking at the Nuffield Foundation so they had an event on that morning looking at um, different projects that they've been funding looking at primary and secondary school reading so I was there to present and um, talk about the Love to Read project which the Nuffield Foundation had funded and the Love to Read project is a project which we carried out in collaboration with children and teachers and other professionals, along with researchers. And it was a way of sort of coming together to create a programme to inspire and sustain a love of reading among primary school children. Um, so I gave that presentation and then it just so happened the What Kids Are Reading event was on that afternoon. And um, so it was lovely actually to be able to come along to that um, and to hear about what children have been reading over the last year. And what? children have been reading I and mean, I think that's that's quite a big question isn't it how do we get the right books in their hands and how do we get them enjoying what they're reading in their hands and you know what what are the main benefits that, that you think children get from reading books and that's a massive question I know but but what 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 are those can you give us some examples so I think, so first of all, I suppose there's some of the academic benefits. So there's some work, for example, that came out by Kate Nation at Oxford University last year, which looked at the qualities of book language. And what you find is that book language has got much more kind of varied and diverse vocabulary than our sort of everyday conversations do, and much more complex syntactic structures as well. So there's a whole range of language benefits associated with reading books. But of course, reading books also benefits your reading skills um, as well. Um, I suppose I'm 
particularly interested in some of the more affective experiences, so the sort of more emotional experiences that people may have um, from reading books. So when we speak to children, they often talk about um, if they're engaged with reading and they're enjoying reading, they talk about reading as an opportunity for them to sort of relax, use their imagination, explore a new world, spend time with fictional friends. But we also know that reading books gives children an opportunity to learn more about the world, themselves and other people as well. So through books, children can and for example, explore personally meaningful content. And there's been a lot of work now that looks at sort of representation and the importance of children being represented and feeling connected to some of the characters in books, especially if they're from any kind of minority background. Um, and then there's a lot as well around reading books as a way of sort of understanding other people's perspectives and experiences and building empathy as well. Um, so there's nothing bad, I don't think, that can come from reading books. No. But there's lots of sort of not just reading and language benefits, but also things to do with kind of well-being, social cognition, empathy as well. Um, all of this is, um, and, the, and again, there's a lot of research that's showing all of these benefits. And, and I think also, I mean, I my background is in, in primary and, and offering children the opportunity to escape and, and, you know, for some children, that's so important, isn't it, to have a, an outlet or, or, or somewhere to go. Yes. Quoting Dr. Zeus, really. <laughs> Absolutely. Children often are sort of drawn towards um, book series or characters that they know. So sometimes it's returning to something really familiar. So maybe it is a bit of escapism, but it's maybe escaping with a sort of friendly fictional character that they know or a world that feels quite safe and quite knowledgeable to them and then other times they want to just escape to a completely different world and learn new things or or pursue their interests in different ways and one of the things that we often encourage children to do before they go about the process of choosing a book it's not just about choosing books in terms of, you know, is it the right reading level um, or is it a genre that I like? It's first of all thinking like, what kind of experience am I looking for? Like, what do I want to get out of this? Because different books offer different types of experiences and sometimes just a bit of reflection before you pick a book can really help you find something that you connect with. And I think that you were saying about making choices because obviously particularly in primary but not only children do need to have some challenge and they do need to experience not pain because we want it to be enjoyable but we want them to develop as readers and as comprehenders don't we yeah absolutely i think um one of the things that came out of the love to read project i think of all of the different activities and principles that we have within it was that teachers really recognize the fact that children maybe just don't have experience of choosing books that align with their interests and their abilities as well. Um, and once you start to teach children these strategies, teachers said, you know, children are taking a lot longer to choose a book, but they're far more engaged with the books that they're choosing. Um, and we also said it's OK to maybe swap a book. If it's not something that you're enjoying, then it's OK to swap it. Um, but I, I think a lot of my research is focused on how we can encourage children to read more books. Um, but one of the things that I was thinking, actually, after being at the What Kids Are Reading event was, you know, motivating book reading is very different from motivating challenging book reading. So it's not yes. just how can we encourage children to read more books, but actually how can we encourage children to read more challenging books that are kind of developing their thinking and their reading and their language skills as well. And that's something that's actually similar, but quite different in some ways, too. 
Um, and I don't know of any research which has looked at that second issue as how do we encourage children, um, inspire them, motivate them to want to read more difficult books um, that, like I said, really develop these reading and language skills. And I think that's very pertinent, both from parenting, grandparenting and teaching, that when we're reading to children, that we actually choose books that are more challenging. I sometimes feel a bit sad when I hear people saying, oh, we're doing a whole term on Roald Dahl. And I think they'll read Roald Dahl on their own, choose something else. Absolutely. And I think whenever a teacher has a role um, in reading a book with a class and they're able to sort of... Um, I think when the teacher's reading aloud, they're giving children the opportunity to maybe access more challenging texts than they'd be able to do themselves. So I think that's yes. a perfect opportunity to introduce children to um, more challenging books. Um, I think one of the things that struck me from the What Kids Are Reading um, event was looking at the types of books that um, young people are reading in secondary school or high school contexts and how they're just not challenging themselves in the same way. Um, and some research that we've had coming out of our Young People's Reading Project, this is um, led by my PhD student, Charlotte Weber, um, they say that when they're in secondary school, there's a lot of academic demands on them, like school works hard. And so reading a fiction book is like escapism, like they just want a slightly easier level because they have yeah. so many academic demands in school. And this makes sense, actually, if they're, if they're using fiction books in this way as a bit of a release and a bit of downtime. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's an interesting thing. I think whenever we think about children's reading practices, we need to think about them within the context of their school lives and their home lives and their peer groups and things as well, in order to make sense of why they are reading and not reading certain types of things. That's really interesting. It's it's quite nice, too, because one of the findings of, of this year's What Kids Are Reading was that children at secondary weren't actually developing a, along a very steep journey. It, it was almost said that they'd stuck at, at primary level. But, you know, giving that insight that you just have actually puts a bit of meat on the bones there. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's really important that they have opportunities to read fiction that does give them those that downtime. And just if something is not at such a challenging reading or language level, it may still have quite complex ideas and concepts within it too. Um, but I do know that there's still a lot of interest in how reading books can develop reading and language skills. So I'm still really interested in how we can really inspire them to want to challenge themselves through books and access more challenging books in ways that are easier um, but yeah, it does, I think, give a little bit of an explanation as to why they're maybe choosing um, to read easier books at that age level. And I suppose also we need to remember that they are reading, well, obviously more academic subjects, but also if they do game a lot, some of that reading that they have to read in order to access that game or that online um, website is quite complex isn't it? Yeah absolutely I think um, we carried out a study a few years ago um, looking at it was called Growing Up a Reader and it was looking at children and young people's perceptions of a reader and what it means to be a reader in the 21st century and for a lot of children, the idea of reading was still very much synonymous with book reading. So that's what a reader is. Whereas I think with um, young people, they saw reading maybe as being a little bit more diverse and including some of the digital reading practices and reading online. 
Um, and of course, different types of reading offer different skill development too. So for example, if you're looking for a piece of information online, you need to sort of engage in sort of goal-directed activity. You need to think about what information am I looking for and search through different sites and filter all of that information. Think about the accuracy of that information as well. So online reading is still developing skills. It's just a different type of skill than yeah. when you have a fiction book as well. Um, so, so yeah, I think it's really important that we recognise the breadth of the reading activities. Um, although I'll admit, I'm, a lot of my research is on trying to encourage people to read more books, but I still <laughs> recognise a lot of the benefits of other types of reading too. I know I've I've been very interested in in note taking more recently um, with some of the schools I've been working with, and and understanding how that language acquisition and vocabulary development has to take place if they're going to be able to put pen to paper they need to be able to skim and scan and they need to be able to pull out the salient points and that's quite sophisticated isn't it absolutely definitely so you mentioned the um nuffield foundation and and love to read project mm -hmm. would you like to explain a little bit about that and and how that's um developing or come to pass is it is it is it finished now um, it's finishing soon um, right. so that the project started in September 2021 and um, like I said it was very collaborative and um, we worked in collaboration with children and teachers and other professionals and it was about coming together to create a programme which schools could use that maybe didn't have a strong focus on reading for pleasure and weren't quite sure how to introduce um, this into their classroom. Uh, so the programmes aimed primarily at children aged 8 to 11, so years 4 to 6 would be the equivalent in England um, and P5 to 7 in Scotland. Um, and it's based around sort of six research-informed principles. And um, these are the principles of access, choice, time, connection, social, and success. I've said these principles a hundred times now. <laughs> they just roll off the tongue. Roll so off the tongue yes, they really do. But. Um, so access is really about the idea of children having quality book provision in school. It's really hard to inspire a love of reading if children don't have access to quality books. And by this, I mean books which reflect their interests, their abilities, but also their lives and experiences as well. Choice is what we discussed before about making sure children have good choosing strategies so that they're choosing books that they really connect with. The principle of time is just making sure children have quality time in school to read books, but that they're also encouraged to read outside of school because a lot of the benefits that come from reading books is actually that independent leisure time based reading. Um, the principle of connection is about um, ensuring children feel that kind of connection with the book that they're reading and that they're able to explore personally meaningful content as they read. The principle of social is around sort of extending beyond the reader and the book, but to discussions with others about books, whether that's their peers, friends, teacher, family. Um, and finally, the principle of success is about recognising that there's lots of different ways to be a successful reader. It's not simply being someone who can read words and understand what they read. Of course, this is important. But a successful reader is always also someone who feels confident choosing books that they like, who can contribute to discussions about books, make recommendations to others. Um, so we think about success in a sort of much broader way, um, in a way that I suppose everyone can kind of um, align with and see how they're developing as a reader. Um, so we just we finished the evaluation um, of that and it was just so wonderful to hear what children and teachers had to say in terms of the sort of impact that it had um, 
not just on children's attitudes and behaviours within the class, but also um, teachers' sort of um, pedagogy and knowledge of the research area. Um, so it's been, uh, um, I don't know, I would say maybe a professional highlight for me. It's been just such wow. a brilliant project with such a great team of people. Um, so I've been really proud of, of everything that we've sort of managed to do together. Wow very far-reaching and to be actually at the heart of it and and having children to talk to about it I mean that must be such a rewarding experience um like I, I can see why you're excited I can see why I can hear the buzz in your voice yeah I think um so I think as you know I, I the first sort of 10 years as a researcher maybe even more I tended to do a lot of quantitative research where you would give children surveys and you would get back their responses and you do analysis. Um, but now I do a lot more qualitative research where you actually speak to children and get their perspectives and their experiences on things. And they just tell you things that you just hadn't thought about. You just, as an adult, you just can't see things from their perspective. It's just so fascinating, not just speaking to children, but to teachers as well, because they really give you a completely different way of thinking about things. And it's really um enriching and quite beneficial I think as a researcher to be able to think about things from other people's perspectives. Well thank you Sarah this has been absolutely fascinating and I'm going to re-listen to this obviously but I will listen to it with a very different ear and make sure that I understand some of those elements because it has been fascinating to hear you articulate the elements of this research and as a mum how do you get that balance right do, do your children sort of see you coming with a with a notebook or <laughs> I'm sure you're not as um as obvious as that but it must be quite hard at times is it or not um I think so I have two daughters one's aged five so she's just in the process of learning to read at the moment and she actually has really taken to it she really enjoys reading actually um she likes practicing her reading with me but she also likes being read to as well um and so with her that's been quite easy I'd say my young my older daughter is actually a much more of a sort of reluctant reader and I think with her what I what we tend to go to the library every couple of weeks we're really fortunate to have a good library um, near us um, and I think with her one of the reasons that I got to her reading has just been through finding out what she really likes to read. So I've made quite a lot of assumptions about the kinds of books that she might like, uh, but she tends to like really silly stuff. She likes joke books. She likes a lot of nonfiction as well, things with lots of pictures. And so it's really just being sort of led by her as opposed to me sort of making assumptions about what she likes to read. Um, but no, they both, um, they both know the kind of work that I do. Um, my oldest daughter has said that we need to make some love to read cuddly toys because <laughs> for Aww. her, she had a toy that would kind of like wrap its around, arms around her when she was reading. She said she'd really enjoy that as well. So I don't think that's nice. going to happen, but it's just really lovely actually hearing them um, kind of their, their thoughts and things. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Sarah, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure as it was last time. And hopefully we'll do another one in a couple of years time too. But thank you for your time. Thank you for your knowledge and energy and passion. It's been an absolute delight. Oh, thank you, Margaret. I've really enjoyed it too. Thank you. What an interesting discussion. Sarah obviously has a wealth of knowledge, but is very much a practitioner at heart, wanting children to pick up a book and enjoying them, including her two daughters, of course. 
If you haven't subscribed to the Renaissance Space podcast, please do that on whichever platform you listen to for your podcasts. Thank you for listening today, and I look forward to welcoming you to another podcast next month. In the meantime, if there are other podcasts you'd like to listen to from the Renaissance Space podcast, please go to www.renlearn.co.uk forward slash podcasts. Thank you for listening.